I'm Megan Mitchell. This is my co-host, John Morrison, and you, yeah, you, <laughs> are listening to the True North Racing Podcast. Time to strap in, pull those belts, and get ready for an action-packed episode of the True North Racing Podcast. Are you ready to unmask? Uh, I mean unhelmet your favorite racers get ready for the most fun you'll have outside the racetrack to get you ready for the next race you're listening to john morrison and megan mitchell and this is the true north racing podcast Welcome back to a new week of the True North Racing Podcast, brought to you by Vision 20 Studios. I'm your host, John Morrison. Joining me, as always, is our amazing co-host, Megan Mitchell. Megan, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. It, I, I'm not doing well because last week you left me hanging. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I do forgive you. Did you listen to my intros and outros last week? To be honest, no, I haven't That's, yet. <laughs> don't worry. It, you know how usually we go for about like 15, 20 minutes, just ca- like kind of catching up and going over our weekends? I was like 30 seconds. I thought, start, felt like I was starting to reiterate and repeat myself. Yeah. So it was like a five-minute intro and a one-and-a-half-minute outro. <laughs> but it's it's good to have you back because now we can have our conversations. And I think... uh after what we heard and saw this weekend, I think it's a good indication of, you know, it's great that we're going to be able to have conversations conversations to talk about because sometimes we need a little bit of differing opinions. And this way, you know, with both of us, if I'm over here spewing what I think and it's wrong, it's good that you push back and say, you stand, you, you know, you, like, like last week when we were at meet the driver's night, you like, I and you just got in my face about. It. <laughs> I bet you didn't think I was gonna let that stay in, did you? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't even think you were recording. <laughs> That's why I oh left God, it in. It <laughs> I was like, "Nope, that's not happening." We're gonna have some fun here. Um, <laughs> no, it was. Eh. So now we got we get we have to recap with you for the last couple weeks here. Um, last week was me, the driver's night at Flamborough Speedway. How did you enjoy that? Having both your brother and your sister out there. And as well, it was the debut for your sister, Rachel, who got her first laps in a competitive field. Uh, let's, let's talk about it. How, how did the whole night go for you and your team? It was really good. Um, emotional. It was, to me, it was emotional and overwhelming to see my brother and sister on the track. And then to watch them do meet the driver's night, it was just, it it like pulled at my heartstrings to watch these little kids like so excited. So that was really cool. Um, My sister did really well. Like I tried stressing to her to just stay low, stay out of the way of, cause like we know she's going to be off pace. It's her first time and she's nervous. So I told her like, just stay low. They will go around you. There's room up above you. So they did. And, like, she got a lot of good feedback, like, from a lot of the experienced drivers just telling her, like, you did amazing, like, really good job. Um, 
she thoroughly enjoyed it. Her first goal was to just finish a race, and she did. She finished both of them, so that was exciting. Chase did really well. In the first feature, I think we had, what was that, like 24 pier stocks start? So the first one was kind of iffy. Yep. Like, it, they were dropping like flies. So, like, to just make it through that without coming off the track was a win, in my Absolutely. opinion, that night. But he had a like a really good battle with Spencer Adele. It was probably one of the most respectful battles that I've seen, but yet really intense. So that was really cool. Chase finished fifth. So it was overall a really good night. Yeah, I think it was uh it was really cool because it's it I it's not very often we do see like siblings go out there and race, but as well as to see your brother who after sitting for a year go out there and already competing for top fives. Mm-hmm. I think a little bit more work and he's going to be able to up, get up there and challenge in uh, the top runners in the pure stocks. I think so. There was one night I was, I think he was running third and I'm like, just a few more laps. He's going to be up there battling for the lead. I think it was Phil and Spencer that was up there. And I'm like, I was certain he was going to do it, but it got a little rough. Someone hit him. He almost went into the wall and it kind of, he lost momentum after that. So, yeah. But like, he's, he does really well maintaining himself, keeping composure. He just, he races really well and really clean. So like, I don't think I've ever been so proud of my siblings. (laughs) It sucks to just watch right now, but. Well, hopefully you guys you guys are almost trying to schedule yourself to have you out there this coming Saturday for and it is kids right night at Flamborough mm. Speedway so that's going to be a great I I love kids ride night and I'm upset I'm not going to be there for it um it yeah. is probably one of my most favorite nights at Flamborough Speedway because I I I'm lucky enough that my drive driver I worked with a few years ago did not want to do it mm-hmm. and I'm like can I take it out then so it's the only time I can ever say at that point that I've ever been in a race car on a racetrack. Just it was driving some kids around the track, but it's 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 always so cool when they get in the car, and then you got one of the photographers standing there doing you know you're giving a thumbs up or giving those memories to those kids. It's yeah, it's really memorable. I still have a video on my Facebook. I think I would have been about. 13 or 14 and I got in line for kids ride night I hadn't raced the car yet but I wanted to really bad and and I got in line for it and there's a video like I sat there with my phone just kind of holding it steady videoing the whole trip around the track and at that point they were letting us do like multiple laps so it's like it was cool I don't remember who I was with I just remember them saying since you're older like do you want to go like the minimal pace or do you want to go <laughs> fast? I'm like, go as fast as you are allowed to go, please. So, you know, what's it's funny never- is I had someone say that to me one time. Really? And I know it wasn't you <laughs> because there's not that much of an age. There's only five years between us. I know it wasn't you. Yeah. Because I was, I was at least 25 at the time. So, no, it wasn't you. But yeah. I said, and same deal. I was like, how, you know, how fast do you want to go? To go as fast as you can. I sent that thing off in a turn one. 
I was like, let's hope this sticks. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it was a lot of fun though. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Anyways, so you're in the car ready. Uh, you guys did not make it out to Flambro's Gold Rush today, unfortunately, because you guys mm-hmm. are trying to get your car, your car specifically ready to be out next weekend. How close are you guys able to say this thing's race ready? I think it's a good chance. Like we were hoping to be able to take it out for practice Tuesday, but that's not going to happen. I could take it out. No paint, but take it out with no paint. Right. I'm like, by Saturday, we should be good. Yeah. All right. So definitely not too, too far off. Um, with with the gold rush running today, we're we're gonna get right into this. So with the gold rush running today, it was ten thousand dollars to win for the pro late models. We haven't seen a race like that with that big of a payout mm-hmm. in quite some time here in Ontario. And I'm gonna I would even when we get uh, our guests on tonight because we got a, a multiple guests. Uh, because we have the Southern Ontario Dirt Show joining us. We're going to talk to them as well about, you know, a high point, a high money, uh, high, high money race. And they got a very, in my opinion, minimal car count. Yeah. Like, do the guy, do you know, does, this is the way I kind of want to look at it. Does no one want to race anymore because of the cost? Or because they think the purse money isn't enough for them to go racing. Do you, like, does that make sense? Yeah. So I've seen arguments on both sides. All right, let's hear. Let's push back against me here because I'm I'm for <laughs> why is why weren't there more cars? To me, I don't know. I don't want to word it the wrong way and then get in trouble for it. I'm trying to think of a, a right way to work it. I think sometimes it comes down to, I don't want to say a lack of respect, but the excitement. Like, I think some drivers go in way over their heads. Okay. And they end up tearing up themselves or somebody else. So it's like, personally, like, we didn't go out today because there was a chance that one of the cars could get tore up and then that takes away from time on finishing my car. So we're like, can't wreck it if it's at home. So we didn't go. <laughs> that's our reason. I mean, that's Just a good argument. Once, like once the three cars are out, then you're more likely to see it. Cause we were intending on going originally. Yep. But it's just after a lot of like debating and stuff, but I have seen a lot of, pro late model drivers say that that it's just they didn't want to take the chance of getting wrecked and not having sometimes I think like I've seen them say like I can't afford to fix it I don't think it comes down to money can't afford it it's I don't have the time to do it Monday to Friday and have it ready for my next points race yeah it's like that's the only thing that sucks in the middle of the season but like 10k to win like I'm on the fence about it because that's a lot of money. And I get what they're saying about the entry fee, how much it costs for tires, like how much it costs to get there and back. But like, I don't know. Okay, so here's here here's a here's a good question. 
So yesterday, uh, we saw that Jake shared. I don't know if it, it was on his schedule because they do have the pro late models um, mm-hmm. up at Sobel Speedway. I don't know if he was gearing up for next weekend's APC series race up there. Uh, unfortunately, him and Ty Cavillan came together on the backstretch. I don't know the full story of what happened, so I'm not speculating. I don't I haven't seen video of it. Um, but looks like the two came together about at least halfway down the backstretch. And unfortunately, Jake went up and flipped onto the up onto his lid. And of course, you never want to see that. But he was scheduled to come today to Flamborough Speedway. So was Ty. Yeah. Now, are we going to say that, well, those cars may have come together yesterday when they were there? Or, you know, like, it mm-hmm. kind of comes down to is, is really, is it, even on a weekly night, it could happen. Exactly. Your season could, I've seen guys, hell, David Elliott, I, I used to crew for him, right? We went, uh, myself and Ed, his crew chief, were heading up to Sunset. He was already up there practicing the car. We got to, probably we were about 20 minutes from the 400. So we were probably about another 25-ish minutes to Sunset Speedway. When we got a phone call, we obviously did not want to hear. Hey, I backed the car into the wall. Our season's done. This was like August. I think right. he, I think he was planning on going up there for velocity or something. And he never touched that car till the off season. Like until after Frosttoberfest, he did not touch it. So if I don't know what he I can't I can't remember, but it it comes down to you have if you win. That's mm-hmm. a nice chunk of change. It is. But how come then when uh, Jucasa was putting on a $50,000 to win race, we had big names coming up from the States to come run the race. Yeah. Like, if we want local short track racing to really succeed, we got to start supporting others. Like, there's... How mm-hmm. many cars that were on the EPC series tour that could have came out? Yeah. Now, could they have wrecked the car a week before the Sable race? Absolutely. But if Delaware ran this weekend, he could have. They could have wrecked before going up to Sable. Like mm-hmm. it, I don't know. Maybe it is cost. You got guys talk about it. Like, shoot me a message. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Like what what I'm saying wrong here. But I want to go over a couple. Facebook post that we saw today. So the first one is from Mike Mike Schmidt, who is a big supporter of Flamborough Speedway. He always helps and helps out as much as he can. Puts on, you know, he he's a a huge supporter and a huge advocate for Flamborough Speedway. Their races. He's, you know, he's been the title sponsor of the London Recreational Racing One Hundred at Flamborough Speedway. I think since the inception of the APC Series Tour. He, Mike does so much. He goes up. He gets igloos made up uh, from from a gentleman up north mm-hmm. who builds them for us. Builds, I think, what? I don't know how many trophies, but he gets started on them early. I know that. Yeah, because I think it's like We had three divisions. Now, I think it should have been a $500 to win pure stock race and maybe like a $1,000 to win. Or maybe there it would have been nicer if there was a bigger card like I'm not saying yeah. mini stocks and pure stocks aren't 
or, or don't deserve of an invitational. But I think what needs to happen is that maybe like like next week at next Sunday at Sobel, there's a super stock invitational. Mm. 54 laps. I think I'd, I have to go. I can't remember exactly what it is to win, but I think it's still a nice chunk of change. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, I want to get into what Mike said here. Mike, so Mike goes, want to thank the pro late model teams that came out to run the gold rush at Flambro. I also understand the lack of support from the remaining pro late model teams. It's beyond brutal. The track puts up a $40,000 purse and only 16 cars show up. Sad. Now, granted, Jake Sheridan was supposed to go. Understandable why he was not able to attend. Yeah. Uh, who else? Uh, Billy Zardo was supposed to go. Yeah. He broke last night as well. Again, there's if your car's just sitting at home up on jack stands and not supporting mm-hmm. a big money race like this, you'd rather go to the APC series and, and win three thousand dollars or have a chance at winning ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. I mean, if you win the ten thousand dollars, it's it, it and it was a green to checker race. So Yeah. See and that's the thing I thought of. I'm like, it's it's hard to say. Like you can you can kind of be nervous about it, I guess, and think that like it it could possibly end a disaster, which like Absolutely. any given night could end up as a disaster. Look, look but at last it night. Could also go really well. It, you have to look at it from both ends of the spectrum, and like there's people who are like, "Well, you know, if we wreck, Rick Spencer Walt was gonna go. Unfortunately, his motor let go before mm-hmm. in practice. Um, yeah, you know, even Joe Chisholm, Joe here." Uh, he spots for Josh Dottie in the in the ABC series. Um, and he picks and he spots like Andrew Ranger in the NASCAR Pinty series. So he sees a lot of this and obviously he operates um he's a co-host of Race Time Radio. Um, you know, it, he goes, Okay, Ontario Late Malls, y'all can never complain about about payouts or the cost of racing ever again. Ten thousand dollars to win, 123 lads, three eighths of a mile. 800 800 to start event heavily marketed and promoted only 16 cars show up now i do have a counter argument would it have been a much bigger deal if g-force tv got got asked to come film the event live if we got it on racing america down in the states would it have done better because a lot of these people, I feel like they only run their cars when G-Force is, is operating. Because it gives them that TV exposure that other guys are looking for. Mm-hmm. Now, I could be wrong. But again, let me know in the comments. Shoot me a message. Like, I, I, I want to see racing succeed so bad. And if people aren't willing to show mm-hmm. up. And I get it. There's certain circumstances where absolutely, you know, it's it's understandable. But we need to support these programs or guess what? We're, we, we're going to have a nice lot of equipment with nowhere to go. I think they need to sit down and almost have like a big driver's meeting with everything. And just talk and take a poll, like figure out 
what is the reasoning? Because I mean, if you even look at Flamber, what do they have? Three super stocks that show up? Yep. It's like, what is the reasoning for these drivers not showing up, even on a weekly basis? Like, because I have seen a lot of people say, oh, the payout's not enough for me. Okay, well, you just had $10,000. You potentially could have won $10,000. So like, now what is your reasoning? Like, it's almost like there's no winning with that stuff. Racing has always been a losing proposition. Mm-hmm. You're you're not making money over the course of the event. No, like a set of tires is I've heard about around twelve hundred dollars, fourteen hundred dollars, um, for the pro late models. And of course, like you're running one hundred twenty three laps, you're gonna want a sticker set for that. Like, yeah. I, I I don't know. It's just it's such a complicated t- uh, topic, and and. I really hope we see more. Uh, I'm hoping maybe we'll see more conversations. I I think that may be an upcoming topic on race rivals race chat. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping to to see how that goes. But um, you know, maybe I'm gonna have to tune in Tuesday night and and see if I can see see what other people are saying. Because like I, there's times where I want to put put my mouth put my money where my mouth is. But at the same time, like it's kind of like nice to sit there and see what other people's opinions are, because I'd rather. Yeah. I want to see where people are coming from with it. And and I I want to we're gonna uh, continue on with this conversation, but we do after the show after uh our we're done after we complete our conversation with our guests tonight, but we have the guys from the Southern Ontario Dirt Show waiting on us, so I think we're let's hit a pause button on this. And uh, let's bring in those, bring in them guys. Mm-hmm. All right. So before we do that, we're going to have a quick word from a presenting sponsor, Vision 20 Studios. You're diving into Vision 20 Editing. New company with their services providing video editing to get your video perfect and exactly the way you guys are looking for. They also do audio mastering where they're going to take your audio and crisp and clear. They're bringing your vision to life. That is right at Vision 20 Editing. We want to make sure that your vision comes to life in the way you want it. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Vision 20 Studios. Now let's get back to the True North Racing Podcast. And joining us now is the duo from the Southern Ontario Dirt Show. We got Travis Cunningham and Jonathan Howe joining us. Boys, how are you guys doing? Good, good. Doing great. Thanks for having us. No problem. We're excited to have you. Um... So this this is our second crossover episode. We had we've had stickers and scuffs guys on. Now we got you boys on. Now we're we're excited to talk to you guys because dirt holds a lot of uh special interest in for Megan and myself. We love going to Oshawa on a Friday night. I love traveling down to Merrittville on on a Saturday night when when the timing allows me to. But uh let's let's get into it on and Travis, let's talk with you first. How did you so uh, t- tell us a little bit about yourself first. Okay, so yeah, how I got into racing, uh, that's uh, through my dad. He was a big drag racer and engine builder. He's in the Canadian Drag Racing Hall of Fame. And uh, yeah, I just grew up at the, I'm a dirt kid now, but I grew up a lot at the pavement tracks, like Flamborough was my weekly deal uh, in like 95. I think I started going there all the time. 
And uh, yeah, so basically through that and then uh, race go-karts on pavement ovals as well. And uh, 2004, we decided to move up and like the big world of stock cars, we can't really, couldn't really afford the whole tire game and all that. And we're lucky around here. Like a lot of dirt tracks can be hard on tires, but we're lucky around here. None of ours around here are. So that's the only reason I could really go stock cars is because because uh, of the tire thing. And that uh, we were able to run tires like heck when I started 358 Modifieds, we'd run like two two right rears a year and we'd be able to get around that. So that's how we were able to do that. Yeah. So yeah, Merrillville is really easy on tires. <laughs> And then, uh, so yeah, started 2004 and 358 Modifieds, did that until 2009. And then I got a ride in a sprint car with uh, Eric McNeven. Craig Downey was his driver before that. Craig used to run hobby cars and stuff like that. But I say I took over for Craig with Eric. And then raced from that until 2014, then took a little bit off. And then I've now got my own team, which I race every Friday night and on the SOS tour when I can. That's awesome. And uh, Jonathan, how about you? How did you get involved in motorsports? I mean, I was a lifelong racing fan. I, I think uh, I, I think the earliest I can remember watching a NASCAR race on TV was uh, probably like the year 2000. I think I was like six years old, maybe. And I can remember, I feel like uh, that was the year Kyle Petty had the Hot Wheels car, or one of the years he had that. And then I can remember here seeing uh, Jeff Gordon's name scroll across the top of the screen. And I was like, oh, JG, that's close to my initials, JH. I'm going to be a fan of the 24. And then sure enough, I just get completely obsessed with racing and with NASCAR from there on out, live, basically live my life watching the Speed Channel growing up. And then uh, in high school, I wrote, I had a creative writing class and it, it was during the time when Dan Weldon actually passed away. And I was a fan of Dan and in, in IndyCar. And I ended up writing a, like a little like story tribute, almost like what would be something you'd see in like Sports Illustrated, I guess, kind of. And my teacher was like, oh, that was really good. Like, if you're into motorsports, like, maybe you should pursue, like, motorsports journalism or something. Um, and at that point, I had already raced. I raced two years of go-karts at the, uh, uh, I think they called it, like, the Cameron Motorplex, but it's now called the Canadian Mini Indy up in Hamilton. I mm -hmm. uh, did their Arrive and Drive Rookie Series. And I was never very good at it. I I sucked for the first two years that I raced. Um, I've actually gone back this year and had a lot more success now as an adult, but as a 13, 14 year old, I was not very good. So uh, I quickly realized I didn't have much of a career in driving, even though I never got a chance to try an oval, which is where I would have wanted to go with it anyways. But uh, so I go to university for a, a bit in journalism, take a little detour to pursue music, uh, which leads me to get like kind of a background in audio engineering and, and uh, putting together, you know, music and stuff like that digitally. And uh, you know, then I was like, okay, I got to do something else with my life. Like music's not really taking off. I don't want to tour the world. And I came back to motorsports. Uh, I ended up going back to school for radio broadcasting. Uh, figured I was either going to get into music radio or sports play-by-play. -play. Uh, I was basically always just trying to get back to my dream. I, I wrote in my high school yearbook that, you know, that in 20 years, uh, I said that I would be uh, calling the Daytona 500. So uh, in a way, I've just been trying to get back to that uh, dream that 17-year-old me set out for myself. So uh, yeah, I did two years of radio broadcasting at Mohawk. Can't recommend that program enough. And got out, uh, walked into Maryville Speedway. I think I maybe sent an email to Maryville Speedway. I was like, hey, do you guys need an announcer by chance? Um, and that was actually, oddly enough, I was suggested to do that by Ron Fellows, who I got a chance to speak with. 
because uh, the intern I interned on a show for TSN 1150 radio in Hamilton, which is now no, no longer there. But uh, and one of the radio hosts there had a connection with Ron. He's like, oh, if you're really into racing, like you should talk to Ron about it. I'm like, well, how am I going to talk to Ron? He's like, oh, I'll get you his phone number. And I was like, OK, yeah, I'm just going to call Ron. Fellas. He's like, yeah, do it. Just like see what he would recommend for how to get into it from a media standpoint. And one thing led to another. I talked to Ron. He's like, yeah, just like you're close to merit. They'll see what see what they're doing, see if they're hiring. And then if they're not, check the next couple tracks down the road, right? So one thing leads to another. I ended up at uh, just perfect timing. Uh, I, I did a year basically on uh, with Stephen Petty and kind of learned from him. And then the pandemic happened and I was kind of on my own for two years. And that uh, that's one way to get really good at broadcasting is to work by yourself for an entire two years. So yeah, it's just been chasing the media dream ever since uh, ever since then. And where did the whole idea come from to start the Southern Ontario Dirt Show? I think Travis actually brought it to me because we had a one of the no nights way. when I was alone. No, I think it was you because I was in the booth at Merrittville in 2020 or 2021. And Erica's like, Jonathan, like, you need a little help every once in a while. Like, let me get you somebody who can like call a race with you and just to give you a break for a night. So you're not losing your voice by the end of the night. And Travis was one of the people that she suggested. And Travis came and called a race with me. And I think it was Travis. Travis went like, yeah, do you want to do, would you ever be interested in doing like a podcast? And I was like, yeah, that, that could be interesting. I'm like, what, like, what could that kind of work? And then it kind of ended up on the back burner and then. I don't remember where it went from there. I think I, I must have reached out or you maybe reached back out to me. And we we're like, yeah, let's do this my version of then. the story is the exact same, except <laughs> I thought he brought it up first. I could have swore he brought it up. I thought it was you, buddy. <laughs> I don't know. It started announcing at Merrittville together. That's for sure. Yeah. And then we went for yeah. chicken wings at his favorite place in the falls. And then that was for real. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. hatched it uh, early last year and uh, haven't yeah. looked back. 61 episodes mainly because there wasn't anything else going on on the dirt side really like clinton and adam did some dirt stuff but then they did start doing a lot more pavement stuff and then that's when i really was like hmm dirt only show that's awesome uh so okay so now i gotta ask because i feel like i'm a big chicken wing connoisseur where's your (laughs) best place to have chicken wings down in the falls because i was just there last night Ooh. okay so my go-to um and i'd say uh you know, I'd say cough up money, but uh, these guys have they've sponsored plenty of stuff over time. So, but if they want to get back involved with Southern Ontario Dirt Show, we'll make it happen. But Chip and Charlie's <laughs> that is where the Southern Ontario Dirt Show was born. We sat there with a pen and paper, we both had a pound of wings, and uh, yeah, my go to is uh, always Chip and Charlie's. I'm spoiled in the falls, there's so many places to get good chicken wings in this city, uh, being so close to the border. I feel like we uh, the Niagara region really knows how to do chicken wings. It's just a matter of whether you prefer them Canadian style, like me, which is breaded, or uh, if you'd like a true buffalo wing with no breading. But either way, most bars will do them both ways. Well, now I think I found my new next restaurant when I go down to the falls. Um, hey, if you're ever when you're in town, let me know. I'll take you out for some wings there. Hey, I was just there last night. We, me and my fiance went down to uh, Niagara on the lake for uh, to catch a sunset, and we had some uh, Rose City pizza earlier in the night. So over go. in uh, Welland, nice. so. But no, I'm glad Chicken Wings got brought up because I've been craving them so bad lately. Uh, <laughs> so obviously, with 60, as you said, 61 episodes and you guys have been continue going strong. This is actually one of my 
Megan, you're going to really enjoy this. One of the coolest things I love about when I listen to your guys' show is at the start of every episode, you guys have to think of a driver that runs that number for the episode. So I got to know, how did that idea come about? And what's the hardest name you guys have had to find to think for, for one of the numbers? Oh, John just did it one day. I think we started on 11. If you do the first 10, there isn't any. We should go back and do the, those ones. Yeah. But, Maybe when yeah. we get back to like the 100s, like, because I don't think there's a ton. <laughs> that was John's idea, though. He just dropped it one day. I think uh, I may have, I'm not going to lie, I may have stole that idea. I feel like they used to do that on, um, oh, I can't remember the two guys that did it. One of them is an analytics guy. Uh, oh, and the other person's Alan Kavana. Alan Kavana, who's a NASCAR reporter, some people might know. Uh, Alan Kavana used to host a, a show about NASCAR analytics with another guy. I think his name was David Smith. I don't remember 100%. He works at Roush Fenway now, so they had to shut down the podcast because he couldn't be spilling secrets anymore with Brad Keselowski paying him to do the big bucks, uh, big buck data stuff. So, But uh, they used to do a show, and I think they used to do a deep dive on one driver to start every episode with who ran that number and i think i i don't want to say i fully copied it but i was just like i wonder if we could do that with dirt where we could shout out some names from the past as well as feature some of the local guys now who are running those numbers by you know okay so this is episode 12 who runs 12 right now oh well we should talk about a heavy chevy chad chevalier yeah let's give him a shout out and then darren dryden right and then you know travis usually has he Travis is much more the historian compared to me, uh, especially with the, the local stuff. So um, he kind of is the one who will dig up some older names that maybe I might not even have heard of, or if I've heard of, I've, I've never seen them race. So it kind of works out well that way. And I think the hardest number so far was 59, but honestly, yes. most of them have been pretty easy. I was going to say, I was just listening to 59 the other week here. And I was, and yeah. that, that kind of what sparked the sparked it. So you guys were saying that, but I was wondering if there was maybe an episode I didn't catch it, and you guys had a harder time finding a finding a name mm. for that number. I feel like mm. there, there might have been maybe one or two in the '30s. I feel like there's not a ton of drivers with numbers in the '30s when I think about it. Like, I know I think of '32 Mark Fawcett. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think some we of had like mid '30s. We used Gary Elliott for '36. I think. <laughs> Yeah, we had to cheat and on I that th- one. I, and I think hey, I said, he did. I said, dirt. Um, he did. I believe we did have another dirt one. I just can't think of it offhand. But uh, yeah, thirty six was, was light. It was a slack Pinty's car. Oh yeah, slack. Uh, right. Yeah, thirty six was a tough one. Just last year. <laughs> last year, the one yeah. start so far, and it was the uh, it was Dave Bailey piloting the slack uh, thirty six uh, yep. Pinty's car for Rosh Weekend last year. So I, I think that was that was one of the harder ones. It's a good one. Yeah, it's a, it's always fun seeing that kind of stuff. And I know Megan, that that's one of Megan's mm-hmm. question, favorite questions to ask is usually what is, um, what is the driver's favorite number? So sorry, I'm going to steal this phone on you, Megan. Sorry. <laughs> Travis, how, how did that number 90 come about for you? Okay. That one's a long story. So back to my dad. So that, uh, he, his drag racing class was modified eliminator which was basically poor man's pro stock. And in 1982, NHRA closed that class. And then they had a big uh, uh, protest and everything. The whole class went up and down this chute protesting, but it didn't work. NHRA still said, get out of here. So then that totally took the wind out of my dad's sails for a drag racing. So then he bought uh, uh, the Ron Box 68 car that, that Terry Kitchen drove and Earl Ross drove. 
and then uh yeah put it into a number 29 and then they let earl ross drive that first season and then my dad got tired of uh having to give earl the whole 100 percent of the pay so they hired stomp and tom walters for the next season and to give him his own little brand they switched it to number 90 because it goes like 9-0 and it's been around ever since then peewee evans uh like my entire career like when i was a kid i followed peewee evans around and his dad billy still helps me big time on my sprint car now so like f- challengers at flamborough late models at mossport super late models at mossport he was our number 90 as well and then he ran it in a sprint car as well so that's just our family number number 90 because it goes like 90 And Jonathan, how do you how do you feel and how do you like announcing at Merrittville? Like, how do you feel you need to approach each night? So honestly, when I started out, I it it came oh I don't want to say it came easy to me because I definitely had to put work in and I still have to put work into it. Um, I would honestly say uh, this year's actually been a bit of a challenge because we haven't had the Merrittville coverage on GeForce. So usually I was going back. Um, and air checking myself, if you will, and, and kind of being like, okay, I messed up that call. I, I messed up this. I need to say that better. I need to explain myself more. I haven't had the chance to do that as much this year. And uh, that's actually created a bit more of a ch- challenge for me. But in terms of how I enjoy it, I mean, it's it, it's a great way to get, you know, uh, I don't want to say it's a living because I only do it one night a week, but to go out and, and work a job, that, that doesn't really feel like much of a job. It, it's incredibly fun especially doing the play-by-play stuff and i think probably you know i've called you know 17 million nascar races on my bedroom floor with die casts so it, it came naturally to me not necessarily uh that i've worked it a long time but I, I, that that play-by-play style i i explain it like this i say it's like you have to answer the 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 who what where when why how questions you have to do that as fast as possible at all times so it's like i watch two cars going in the corner who are the two cars uh where are they going they're going in turn one uh what's happening they're side by side they're battling for six position they're uh how are they racing uh this guy's on the low side this guy's on the outside right so it's answering those questions as fast as you possibly can um and accurate accurately as you can uh without falling behind because you could literally be in the middle of a sentence and all of a sudden you know, somebody gets spun out or somebody makes contact and you, your entire thought process thought process has to change and reflect that. So, but it's such an incredible uh, experience. I love it very, uh, I love it so much. And um, announcing is, it, it's a lot of fun. As much fun as it could be to be out on a, on a Saturday night. I think it's almost more fun because I don't have to pay any bills at the end of the night. <laughs> I don't have to worry about any damage. I don't have to worry about uh, hurting anybody's feelings really. I mean, there's hurt feelings, but Usually oh, you can hurt feelings just... as an announcer. That is a <laughs> fact. I can hurt feelings, but usually it requires me to go to their Facebook page and read the post. Nobody ever really <laughs> directly calls me out on anything. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I, Ryan, I feel that <laughs> Ryan Turner had a little bit of beef in Victory Lane Friday at Oswegan. If you caught that on the broadcast, what? That's going to be. That's oh, I missed that. To talk about on the show. Yeah, go back and check it out. He was a little. A little myth. Oh man, now I gotta. I'm I. So yeah. I went to Oshawa on Friday night, and we left because obviously they rushed through the program, and we yeah. left just as they were um finishing up with the crate sprints. Right. So we were we were walking out, and I kind of heard something. I thought I heard something. I'm like, ah, if I if anything happens, I'll probably hear about it on Facebook the next day. I didn't hear nothing, so 
Now, now, yes. now you guys are making me have to go back and take a look. Which, <laughs> I mean, I don't mind. I love watching Austin Weekend. So, I was going to say it's yeah. the best part of the GeForce, right? Is that you, we have that to go back to. Uh, if you do miss something, or if you do want to go back and catch up with something, not to, uh, not that I'm trying to get a job with GeForce or anything <laughs> like that, but I, I do really appreciate what they, uh, they've done, and they're kind of paving the way for all of us to follow suit in, in the world of uh, dirt and, and racing broadcasting in general. So uh, it's been nice uh, to have those to go back and helps me stay uh, up to date on what Travis is up to and how he ran. Although I have a hard time, I'm not going to lie, I have a hard time watching Travis race now. Huh? Why? Because you're you're my friend, but then also I've got my opinions on how you should drive the car, and, <laughs> oh. and I watch it, and then I start swearing at the TV like, "Why did he make that move? What are you doing? Oh, Why are you going geez. there? Go there, go do that." And then he'll make a pass, and I'll be like, "Oh, maybe I need to shut up." <laughs> I just do the I... same thing. Oh, he just doesn't like that I run the bottom, but he forgets like Mitch Brown's bottom feeder, so it's Ollie Porter. It's not just me. I don't know how why and handsome. That's what I think of a sprint car, but you got to do. Sometimes you got to run your strengths. Yes, that is true. Yeah, because I tried uh, it at Humberstone for a young bluer off the end. Didn't work. Didn't work. No. I I think it's absolutely hysterical how you feel about that because Megan being on the on the show with her, I make sure I get up to the fence and watch her as much as I can because if I'm at the track, I'm usually covering the uh, Canadian Vintage Modifieds. So I'm either down mm-hmm. in the pits or over in the chute waiting with those guys to go up on track. And so if they run just before me, I don't, I miss, I miss her race. Sorry, Megan. But, <laughs> but, but when I get up there and I'm watching, cause I, I, their, their family has become very much part of our family. Um, They've been, they've become very good friends with us. So like I've, her siblings have been racing this year. So I've gone to the fence last week. I was up there racing. There's a wreck going into one and her sister was coming in hot as hell like and i'm just like check out check out check out there's a wreck in front of each got the tail end of it i'm like god damn it but i was i'm like i can't i can't stand up here and watch it because because you're right you get your own opinions and then stuff happens like but to be fair i know megan's gonna so in a few weeks here i will have my first ever shot at getting behind the wheel of a stock car Oh, uh, nice. Some wow. friends of mine have set up a bone stock deal with uh, Chris Lawrence down at Delaware. And so I get to drive a, a bone stock. So now I really get to put my money where my mouth is <laughs> when it comes to that event, because now I'm going to be able to have more of an understanding of what those guys go through. And now I know Megan's going to come on the show that week and criticize the heck out of my driving. Oh, and she should. <laughs> part of the reason i'm kind of happy that travis hasn't actually watched me race any go-karts yet uh, that i because I, I know he's gonna have more than a few notes i'm sure for me oh uh, yeah well at ranceville you run the there's only it's hard when there's only four guys to bust you too much yeah that's uh, the fun class at ranceville is uh although i don't know what it's gonna hopefully be like this week there's more yeah we'll this week it, uh... i'm coming for sure and you better be ready Okay. All right. So <laughs> second, second trip on dirt, uh, second time on an oval ever. So hopefully it goes well, especially with the extra added pressure, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, the bottom okay. feeder thing, when you own your own car, you're a bottom feeder because that's how you keep her mm. off the tow truck for the most part. If you go back and look like a lot of uh, big time car owners, like Don Kreitz sticks to mind. He was a bottom feeder. And one time at a meeting, like it was like Fred Raymer and Donnie Kreitz. 
and uh fred was be like well i run the high side and real hard because my car owner wants me to bring back the checker flag or the steering wheel and don runs middle to the bottom because he has to pay the bills stuff like that <laughs> so yeah hey you know what there's there's nothing wrong with being a bottom feeder as long as you're you're fast down there right? i can run the cushion when i can like run a cushion i can do that like two of my three wins at ashwigan are on the cush but like that's because there's a ledge there and you can feel it but when it gets to the point where there's like no cushion and you got to kind of like make it momentum and kind of find your bite at that point i'm better at running the bottom so i'll switch there I was but if there's say, a cushion i can do it kind of like but, friday night it didn't seem like there was really a built-up cushion on the high side there no yeah they've been uh getting it slick in my opinion because the pinty's cars are coming so it's going to be slick the next three shows and then after that it's going to start we're going to have to worry about pinty's cars no more then in my opinion it'll start turning into a more of a cushion thing like we saw earlier in the year as well that's what i think just the pinties they gotta time. have it slick yeah just in time for the sprint car nats too nationals is always slick yeah but those shows in between there those are the ones where you can get hammered down nice because like ashwikin when it's Got a little bite in the track. Like, it's wide open. No lifting, no brakes, no nothing. And that's pretty cool to do that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so, obviously, with with it's kind of awesome because, you know, Jonathan, yourself, I, I, can't, I can't say the same as being an announcer. But on our show here, I'm kind of someone who's just very much into motorsports. I kind of decided to start doing this because I, I loved motorsports and I wanted to – I didn't feel like there was enough people talking about more sports so that's why we kind of started the true north racing podcast and then of course i brought on megan mitchell as a co-host because well i'm not driving i kind of need someone who can who can tell me about what's going on um so i love the same it feels like it's the same dynamic on your guys end as you not really be behind the wheel of a car and travis over here being behind the wheel of a car um you did talk about earlier about not being able to watch him race when he does make a trip down to meritville does it make it easier to call races or do you like to try and call him out maybe when he is racing so i try to i think i get not accused but definitely the one criticism i think people have made about me is that i play favorites and that i have my favorite drivers out there uh travis likes to bug me about nelson masons because he was in uh came from the formula one world at first so uh, uh, and he's from the falls and he's from the falls so he's <laughs> like oh you have a bias towards him you automatically like him and i'm like no i just He's a good story to talk about. I'm a fan of good stories at the end of the day. Uh, Travis breaking a winless streak that dates back to, did we say 2012? Are we that? Yeah. Yeah. If if Travis broke that streak, that'd be an amazing story, regardless of the fact that he's my co-host, that I consider him uh, a good friend now. Um, But I, I try to make sure that I'm even. Like, just because Travis is running ninth, like his dad's race that we called earlier, the Gary Cunningham Memorial, like, I think he were running around just inside the top 10 9th, eight, eight. ninth, yeah and i was keeping an eye on it but i was also keeping an eye on it because you were involved in a good battle so you know if things get a little bit thin in the top five that's a battle that i can go back to and, and keep an eye on um but i gotta make sure to try to spread that love around as much as i can because at the end of the day nobody wants to feel ignored you know like just because the driver's having a run in 17th if they're making a great charge at the end of the race and they've gone 20th to 17th i still should try to you know acknowledge that as best i can during a broadcast and um again it's very different with meritville not having uh the g-force coverage that we had previously uh it i don't think 
those situations make as much difference because you know there's some fans that tune in using the radio fm uh in person and obviously to them they're here in the race call clear as day but you know when the whole pack is on the back stretch okay you're probably going to hear me but if the whole pack is coming together down the front stretch there's a good chance that you might not hear my call 100 accurately and i know that so i i try not to get um I try not to, to tell stories or anything, and that kind of helps me keep it not personal and more objective um, because there's less to talk about. Like, nobody cares that I'm talking about somebody who's having a great run in points because they can't hear me, right? So, and it changes the series too, right? Obviously, the mini stocks, I feel like you can talk over a little bit easier compared to when the modifieds go by and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, we know I like Colin Travis's races. Uh, I don't. Um, I don't love, I don't love the fact that, um, you know, anytime there's a big wreck, obviously I think about that stuff and I think about everybody like that. That's my, I think the hardest part of my job is anytime there's a big crash. Like I, it's not that I get a loss for words, but I'm kind of the person that like, I don't want to keep talking. Like there's not, there's not much to say that car just flipped over. It was a silent, it was a quiet, quick rollover. That was a violent rollover, whatever the situation is. I don't want to get into it too much until I have confirmation that from safety crews that, Oh, things are okay. Or that's good. Or that's bad or whatever, whatever the situation is. I remember when I finished fourth last year, my first night of the year at Merrittville, it was, you called my name quite a bit on that one. I remember that. And there's a G force <laughs> of that one. And then what else was I going to say? The thing uh, where you just said they can't hear you anyways. I saw pictures from the RPM when the short track super series went there on Tuesday and they have their speakers like hanging out from the top of the bleachers and then down, like on, like all their speakers are on top of the fans like this. So that track, I guarantee you, you can hear when <laughs> oh, you're yeah. talking. And that always is a huge thing, is not being able to hear the... Because I when I announce, I think the same thing, because a lot of tracks you can't hear when the cars are going around. Yeah, but Quebec tracks, they step it up. Quebec tracks, they spare I thought no that was so cool. Make sure the, they, was... they always make sure the fan experience is the best, right? Yeah, they do do that. From uh, so we had Adam Adam Ross on here a few weeks ago, and he was telling us that the fans in Quebec, when it comes to motorsports, are absolutely a different animal. And he said He's that so right. uh, what what track were they at? I think it was Shorty Air or something like that. And he showed us a picture. He's like, this this grandstand is probably the same amount as what Flambro has, but for whatever reason they they take in that racing aspect out there and it, it's just one of those things we're trying to feed a southern ontario uh show to people but it's getting harder and harder to, to for it, people from more or less bigger cities to come out to that kind of stuff so i kind of want to touch base on what do you think we need to do in ontario that switches up from quebec to get those Ooh. people out there you want to start with that one, Travis, or you want me to go first? I can start a little bit just because I've talked yeah, about it on it. our show. <laughs> like, it's just the fans themselves. Like, uh, a good analogy I use is, like, if you had a Super Dirt Car Series big block race at Merrittville and asked 60 bucks to get into it, because that's basically what you got to pay now to cover the sanctioning fee, and if you want to make a little money as a track to pull something in that big, you'd have to charge 60 bucks ahead to get into the grandstands, roughly. And uh, the difference between Ontario fans and Quebec fans, like if the Maryville did it, there'd be a lot of people online complaining about the 60 bucks to get in, whereas the Quebec people just, they can't wait to get in and they'll bring their friends. 
I just don't know what it is about that. Like, I don't know how to bring that here is, uh, they've been thinking about that. Like it's, this has been like that since the seventies. Like my dad would always talk about how the drag races were better back then and how the parties there were completely insane and stuff like that. And just people everywhere and how much they, they just love it so much more up there. I don't know what it is. I think the biggest thing is, um, in Southern Ontario, the biggest problem we have is just how much there is to do here. Mm. When I think of Quebec, I think there's, I don't want to say there's less competition. You know, they still have the Montreal Alouettes during the summertime. They've got a CFL team to support, but I just don't see the the same level of things to go and do. Like if you ask the average person whether they would rather spend a hundred bucks to go to a Blue Jay game on a Saturday night and get their tickets, get their beer, get their go transits or whatever else, or would you rather spend 35 to go to your local dirt race that you might not have experienced? Everybody knows what the Blue Jays is and they're going to make that decision to go there versus not everybody knows about dirt racing. And that's another reason why we got into the podcast that we did is because, you know, I, even I admittedly didn't go to Merrittville a ton when I was growing up. Like I went here and there, but I was always a pavement, you know, watcher. And I, my family would rather save up and go to Pocono or we, you know, we went and did trips to Homestead, Miami for the championship for nascar and go to yeah. those events then go and watch this local short track stuff uh, but it, oddly enough when i was a kid i went to more junior b hockey games than i ever went to nhl games and that's kind of what dirt track and and, and local short track racing is it's kind of like junior b and junior c hockey it's you know there's no reason look at Merrittville speedway look at the talent that have come that's come through our doors look at the fact that uh you know, we've had a uh, Matt Williamson go and become a super dirt car champion, right? Uh, from the modified program at Maryville, like that, that's the top level of modified racing really in the Northeast. And I, so there's no reason that our drivers, our stars can't climb the ranks the same way somebody who's breaking into junior B hockey, like Ethan Morrow, when I was a kid watching him play for the Niagara Falls Canucks or train with them at least. Right. So I, I think that's the biggest thing is that we just have to, get people out to it one time and then generally they end, end up enjoying their experience and if we can make them understand a little bit more about the sport with a podcast with auxiliary entertainment productions that that goes a long way i think to making lifelong fans and keeping it affordable too like that's the other thing and which is obviously so hard with inflation and everything else that we're facing but keeping things affordable is going to be what keeps racing alive, both for drivers and teams and, and uh, spectators as well. For sure. Uh, there's a, definitely a lot to unpack there. And and <laughs> I'm, I'm thankful for both of you guys' answers on that because it's, it's, I think you guys are right. We're trying to, you know, like to this year alone, we brought um, my fiance's sister with us to Oshwegan Speedway. I, th I think that was what, like early May, maybe I think it was around your birthday. I think I know that. Yeah. Um, and she absolutely fell in love with it. We took her again this Friday night. She had more fun sitting down in turn four and just getting smacked in the face with all the dirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's the same thing. experience. Oh my God. You you think like some people like, and, and, she, and she's not the kind of person that would like to get dirty. 
like she she's very much i don't know i'm not gonna say it because it's gonna sound bad no matter which way i try to say it um she's very much more of like like i like my fiance is more rugged she she played sports growing up not afraid to get dirty her sister is a little more prim and proper and but we took her to Ashwig yeah. on a Friday night. We took her down to turn four. She put her goggles on and she just. This is what it's like down here. I'm like, yeah, this is what it's like down here. You just get smacked in the face with dirt. And this is why Jacqueline likes coming here so much. Say, <laughs> turn one actually... is even worse. <laughs> oh, turn one is way worse. Turn one hurts. <laughs> Especially at Ashwigan. Uh, okay. So now maybe the next time I'm going to have to sit down and turn one. Because I haven't it sat really down hurts. there yet. Does it? Yeah. We if you sit it. real low, like right where we pitch it in. Yeah. Oh, the mud clods that come into the stands is it gets your attention. It's like paintballs. Like, uh, it's like getting hit with paintballs. <laughs> yeah, that is actually a good act, good comparison. We took um mm-hmm. Carl Brown from uh, 97.7 Hits FM. He co-hosts the morning show where I work uh in radio. And uh Carl's a sprint car guy, like from out west, and he went grew up going to tracks in Washington, yeah, but he hadn't been out since uh he he's moved to Ontario. And uh, so I took him to the sprint car Nats last year and we sat down in turn one and he was just like, he, you could tell he was like a little bit annoyed with with how close we had to sit down just because there was, uh, it was the Nats and it was a big crowd and it was busy, right? But at the same time, he was, I could see like that, uh, the nostalgia smile coming back to him about getting smacked in the face with dirt. And there were, there were a couple clumps that we had to dodge, I would say, that came through the fence and broke up a little bit. But yeah, it's just an experience, right? Like it's so hard to explain to people like, oh, this is why I love dirt racing or this is why I love you know, racing in general, it's something you have to experience. Even when I was a kid, uh, you know, and just obsessed with just NASCAR and, you know, I'd go to school and be like, well, how can you watch guys turn left for 400 laps? Like, I don't understand how that's entertaining. And I'm like, you have to be there. Like I, I went and watched Kyle Larson run an inch from the Miami Homestead wall for 400 laps straight. And I was there to watch Jeff Gordon's last race. And I literally was watching Kyle Larson more than I was watching Jeff. And I was like, Jeff could win a championship. What am I doing? Why am I not watching Kyle Larson? But if you get into the sport, you learn the nuances, you start to understand about what it is that exactly you're seeing. That's what will make you a fan for life, mm-hmm. right? It, it, that, that's that's how I explain it to people. It's like, you just have to go once or twice, talk to a few people who are into it, who can explain it to you. And then you'll be hooked because you'll be like, wow. Look at what Netflix did for Formula One. It's oh, yeah. not like Formula One is the most exciting thing, but all of a sudden when you break it down to for people, you create the narrative, oh, there's two guys, they drive basically the same car, but one guy drives better than the other one, and that's making this other guy potentially lose his job. Like You start to explain the nuances to people, and now everybody's hooked on Formula One. Meanwhile, at pretty much any racing product in the world besides – I no, there's pretty much no other racing product in the world that is worse than – formula one right now at least in terms of parody so i don't know definitely not and i i think you're absolutely right there and that's why like so on on my side is i'd like to to put out a lot as much in-car footage as i'm able to i have three gopros that when i'm with the cvms i put them in i try to put them in three different cars um sorry not just three different cars but three different cars per practice session so six that's six videos and then three and another three for each feature because i think the more content and videos we put out of not just of not just the guys sitting there like megan i'm sorry but you guys put the camera in the wrong spot no one wants to see a rear cam. <laughs> I, I always see their camera on the top pointed down and like no one wants to see that because it looks like you're going out for saying, a sunday drive 
where to, for two years it needs to change <laughs> where to put it to have people understand that it's not just a sunday drive and they casually turn left show me in car mm-hmm. because when you like I, i'm i've got to get down to our Spiegel on a friday night because um one of the drivers i work with is running a crate sprint uh cam thompson one of the deals with our packages is that he gets a vlog this year. So I need to get down there on a Friday night to actually shoot a vlog with him to be put up. Well, guess what? I'm trusting him with my GoPros. So I'm really hoping they come back in one piece. Uh, <laughs> I know. I know. There's like screen protectors to get like where you, it's just like a, like we put over it. Cause yeah, you got to do that under, I don't know if you do it on your pavement ones. Uh, well, but like dirt can beat up GoPros <laughs> bad. So, well, funny enough, this is uh this is this is the first ever GoPro I got. It was a it was a Hero Seven, and I don't know if you guys can see it. There is a crack that goes yeah. right across the middle of it, <laughs> right right down the middle of it. So if it sits just right, it actually doesn't. You don't see the 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 piece, so it actually works out. But I've been using that for the for the footage going at the driver, because I use this yeah. on a front bumper of a CVM. And when I had it, it was the bars here and he, the GoPro is here. And it was no more than like three inches off the ground. And when it came back, instead of it looking like this, it was like this. Oops. <laughs> yep, that's about right. It wasn't pointed the right way. But no, I, I know I'm going to need to get some screen protectors for it when I take it to the dirt. Because I know there's a possibility it ain't coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Especially I, on a heavier night. Yeah. Like back in the day, Ash Weekend used to get pretty heavy. And like we'd go through like a full stack of Teros 10 in a heat race and an eight lap heat. So that's like Jeez. at least one a lap. So yeah. Not as bad like that anymore today. But uh, yeah, it's just not quite as bad. But like back in the day, they'd break your spark plugs off. It's Jeez. just the mud clods. Yeah. Um, so one thing I wanted to talk to you guys about because we're seeing a lot of high. High point or high money races down in the states. You know, we just had the Eldora Million not too long ago. Uh, I think what is I think the Panties race is twenty five thousand dollars to win each night, or something like that. Um, so we know the car counts for those events are absolutely going to be ridiculous. I'm hoping the Panties series pulls out about thirty cars. I'm going to be honest. I really hope they thirty cars get out for that race. Um, today at Flamborough, we had a ten thousand dollar win pro late model race. And we only had 16 cars show up. Mm-hmm. So what makes it more enticing for guys to go for? I, I It's like a $10,000 win race on dirt compared to an asphalt. What, like, why, why are we seeing minimal car counts in one, one area compared to others? I would say just because it's a little cheaper to run dirt over the pro late mile at Lambro, even though it was 1500 to start still for them guys. Right. Right. It was so uh, like 800 to start, yeah. 800 to start, so okay, yeah. So our Sprint Car Nationals is 1,000 to start. So that if you for like a guy like me who's low budget and stuff like that, if you just qualify for the Nationals, that's like a second place finish on a normal night. So that's why that race is so big. And uh, yeah, that's tough for Flamborough today. But uh, yeah, but like does 800 even cover your tires for like the start money or like a 1,000? No. That's just the whole thing. Like guys want to at least break even or a lot of racers have like we have to look to break at least break even when we're going to the track these days that's the tough tough thing and a lot of times like i've talked about it a lot where it's like 
you could have took a little bit money off the top. It still would have been a big paying race up top. Like you could have made a 5,000 win and spread that other five throughout. Who knows? That's why I, my Gary Cunningham Memorial this year at Maryville, that's what I tried to do. Although uh, Tammy 10 Media made it 3,000 to win off the top, but I made it 350 to start, which is a good deal for us sprint cars. And it was like uh, over 400 for 10th and stuff like that. But our nights are just so much cheaper because we like really we only run 31 laps in a night, 35. 25 plus 8, 33 plus 3, 36 laps a night. So Damn. most pavement guys do that in practice, right? <laughs> like you guys go there and practice all day. We, we, uh, we get, we get two, <laughs> two, two, two 10 lap practices, if not about five minutes at least. So I could run about 15 laps. And then yeah. two features. And if it's the prolates, they're running 25 to 30 laps. Yeah, 123 laps. That was a tough one for Flint. Like, if they would have made it maybe less laps, they could have got more cars. But who knows? Because, like, they like prolates. They like making those big, long races, too. Yeah. It's like, so hard. Like, at the end of the yeah. day, like, the expense, you know, we were talking about this a lot this week behind the scenes, not necessarily on air, because I was writing it. I was putting together a piece on Travis's dad's race and the, uh, the, uh, the Southern Ontario Sprints in general for inside track. And... But, you know, the thing that I kind of wanted to focus on was something I didn't really, I never really put together is, is the start money and how that affects things. And I remember Travis went and raced a couple of ESS races to start the year. And I was like, oh, like, why would you make the trek out there? And he's like, well, it pays like 300 to start US. Whereas, you know, like that, that more than covers the trip, or at least helps me break even just to start and break and, even and finish one of those things. Right. So, so that I think kind of has to be the focus and i think more track promoters series promoters need to talk to drivers like megan like travis to just get together and, and and brainstorm on on how purses need to be dispersed better it's great for headlines to have a twenty five thousand to win race or a fifteen hundred uh or fifteen thousand dollar to win to or race to win or whatever uh even the southern ontario sprints they have a couple shows that are going to be four thousand three thousand all that's great but what would the car count look like if you could guarantee all 24 drivers were walking away with 350 Canadian from each event or 500 or 500, right? Like, so what if the winner only walks away with 1800? If that means you get a full field of 24, you're going to get a better car count, which hopefully in turn ends up with tracks, happier crowds, bigger, more of a following, more of a regular turnout of of drivers that you get to know that fans can attach themselves to. And then you can worry about having big races. Then you can worry about and having more than just one or two big nights on the schedule. Who knows? Maybe you even attract a bigger sponsor along the way. Maybe the success of a series or a, a, a track draws somebody in halfway through the year. And all of a sudden this company with an extra $10,000 to kick into your purse says, you know what, it'd be really good for us to celebrate our whatever anniversary of our company or whatever situation that we're in with a big money race at the end of the year. How do you guys feel about an extra top up on your series? And then all of a sudden, then you've got your big money races, right? That's just me. I mean, it's really easy for me, who's never put together a series, never driven anything in his life to come out oh. and say that. But that's just how I view things is I just feel like, you know, I think a little bit more collaboration between tracks, promoters, uh, drivers and teams right now about purse money could be more beneficial to the overall health of the motorsports uh, world. 
another one good thing I want to say about Ernest, I want to add is like I saw an interview this year with Tim McCready talking about all the big dirt late model money races. Like they've got so many fifty thousand dollar win races. Like there seems like there's one or two every week. But uh, even he was saying because like most of them are like fifty thousand to win, two thousand for tenth, eight hundred, seven hundred to start, stuff like that. But he was saying if you just took all those fifty thousand dollar ones to win, make them twenty thousand, and if you could make it like tenth or like uh, what do you say? 20,000 to win, like 5,000 to start, and like 7,500 for 10, 10,000 for 10, stuff like that. And then uh, you'd see a lot more cars, and then like a lot more guys can keep going because then pays for a lot of bills. Because, like I always say, pay it costs just as much for the guys at the back to race as it does the guys at the front. Exactly. You're absolutely right. See, I've, I've been trying to find people to counter argue, argue me here because I've, I'm very much of the guy like. There, there was no excuse for a lot of people to show up today, but to what you were just saying there, Jonathan with, or and, and Travis with cutting off from the top, we actually did that with the CVMs this year, where instead of the winner walking home with, I don't, I don't I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm their freaking social media guy. I don't even know what the heck they were paying per night, but it was <laughs> like, but I know what they did this year is we changed up how our payouts go is that now instead of 500 to win or 600 to win each night, it was now, um, if you started both features, you were going home guaranteed with, I think, $300 or $250. Doesn't yeah, matter if you finish first or finish 10. Only thing that night you're worrying about is your points. And then at yep. the end of the year, then obviously that's where the breakdown of, you know, for, I don't know what, again, I don't even know what the heck we pay out at the end of the year for, for winning the championship. But let's say it's $1,500 to win. Thousand dollars per second. That's where the breakdown comes into play. But to help the guys continue to come back week after week, we've now gone instead of a six six hundred to win, it's now two fifty or three hundred across the board. So that way it doesn't matter if you finish first or finish tenth, but you have to start both features to get that guaranteed money. Yeah. And I just think like I look at models of there's other sports that are going through the same thing right now, right? Like, um, you know, I'm a big golf fan. You look at the whole pga versus live thing and why players were drawn away from playing for the pga tour well and and you look at the pga tour and there is tons of big money purses that are on the pga but if you finish you know t40 it, it, you know you're finished 40th you finish 37th you might make twenty six thousand dollars or uh you know forty thousand dollars and you might think oh forty thousand dollars for four days of work like those guys are living the dream you go and do that every couple of weeks that's great but that doesn't factor in the fact those guys have to pay to fly themselves there to the tournament they have to pay a caddy they have to pay you know membership fees they have to some a lot of those guys aren't getting clubs for free you know and if they break something or they need a tune-up during the thing they're going to go to the pga trailer and they're going to have to pay for stuff there so all of a sudden forty thousand dollars in prize money turns into you know ten thousand dollars uh you know for a professional golfer to walk away meanwhile how much money did the pga just make off of them i don't think we necessarily have a problem in southern ontario where tracks no. and promoters and they're trying their best to rich. pay us yeah no exactly. one's getting rich like the pga like no that. no 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 nobody's getting nobody's that's not happening right here but the same principle applies why was the live was so attractive to guys because they were getting a guaranteed salary you could go and finish last or you could go and finish first but either way you're getting your couple million or whatever you signed with the the live golf tour to pay you right so i almost wonder if if a model like that works better 
at lower levels of racing. I think that's kind of even how big levels of racing are are starting to work, and we just don't know that. Like, uh, I remember Connor Daly was breaking it down on his podcast of he finished, I think, top five or just outside the top five in the Indy 500. And, you know, when you look at the purse breakdown, it's like, oh, that paid X amount of dollars. But by the time tra- uh, by the time Connor paid off everything that was associated to pay, he only walked away with like a couple thousand dollars or something like that for a top 10 finish in the Indy 500, the biggest wow. race in the world, right? So, uh, you know, I would go and I would say go and rec- go and watch that episode to get the exact numbers. I don't want to speak totally too much out of turn, but I just remember it being really shocking that one of the largest racing series in the world, one of the largest races, period drivers aren't really making all that much to go and 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 place inside the top 10 right so i just think the system the system can be tweaked but i think it's going to take collaboration from all sides to figure out what is going to be the most you know um successful and sustainable at the end of the day way to make sure that uh racers can keep showing up to the racetrack i wonder if that's why we've seen what we've seen in in from nascar where they've kind of uh blacklisted what all the what all the purses are or what the breakdowns of the purses are because i remember reading in the newspaper exactly sunday morning or or monday morning there'd be your list of the top 40 finishers or top 43 all 43 finishers and it would break down who got who took home what from the purse and it's been i think five seven years ish and they stopped doing that so i maybe wonder if maybe they've done that you know right because sponsorship's gone down and money's gone down (laughs) That yeah, because no one wants to see that they paid more in 1993 than they do now, or like, you know and, what I mean. That's that, a big reason of it. That and they have the charter system too, where at the end of the day, um, a team owner makes more money. Um, they actually factor in how much money you make per race based on your last three years' performance with that charter, rather than how you did that day. True. So, like that's why it's so important. Um, like when they got. Uh, when Kurt Busch got into the playoffs last year, but then couldn't race because of his injury and Bubba Wallace went into that car, it was to keep the owner's points high as possible so that it could, that charter could keep generating money. Had nothing to do with who was driving the car. It was about how the charter system works. And there's pros and cons to both because now in NASCAR, look at a charter is basically like having a sports franchise, right? Where, you know, if you want to race in NASCAR, you got to have a charter to get the most money out of it. And all of a sudden it's more valuable to hold on to a race team. Right. Um, so it's just an interesting time in general for motorsports. And, um, I don't think there's a one size fits all solution for every single series. I think, um, there's going to be aspects that dirt racing world, the dirt racing world and local tracks can take from, the pavement side of things there's aspects pavement guys are going to be able to take away from other things we all have different challenges facing each other so i i'm just i'm very interested to see where it's going to go and i personally from my media standpoint i'm committed to making sure that it doesn't just thrive but survive at the end of the day i i definitely agree like we want it we want to see the this sport really just grow like that, I think I think that's what we're all really wanting is just to, for it to grow, and with what you guys are doing, I again I stumbled across it. You guys were at uh, Motorama, I believe, correct? Yeah, you guys, you guys did the live show. I walked mm-hmm. by, I I sat down for a few minutes and listened in, and 
you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I think that's, I think that round table um, opportunity for you guys, like I, I didn't do it this year. I did it last year, but I didn't feel like p- trying to put a show together last minute and, and get up on stage and, tr- and trying to see if Megan couldn't come down for the show this year. And it was, it was just too much to put in last minute. Um, but I, I really love the opportunity that, you know, uh, inside track and the, them are doing to really give us an opportunity to show people like, Hey, it's not just racing anymore. We do have programming here in Ontario that wants to show you the backside of this crazy world that we love. And I love the fact that we get to get it. We can go up there and do live shows uh, during Motorama because it, it does bring, it does bring that out and it gives a chance for you guys to, to meet everyone as well. Yeah, definitely had fun at Motorama. I've always loved, like I've, one best appearing dirt car at that show before when it was what it was called before motorama it was called performance world i went yeah, when it was performance world. world still but it's still the same thing i love going there every march and uh networking and doing all that stuff and like you say it's definitely the way they get uh, us to put a live show on like we gained a couple viewers that day that had never listened to our stuff before and stuff like that and uh yeah just the shows like that and like you say to just to promote the because like i love the backdoor stuff that we watch like we just had luke carlton on the show and i hadn't watched one of his oldest dirt racing videos yet on youtube and because we just had him on the show i have watched over half of them now because i binge watched them all <laughs> weekend and stuff like that so yeah definitely getting it out on social media is the main thing and uh because yeah it's tough if we don't do anything about it and keep promoting it and making sure it keeps prospering like it's gonna die because lots of tracks closing and not lots many open up so that's the main thing there yeah, I think the biggest thing is that uh, that that publication, publicizing the stories, telling stories, right? That's the biggest thing for me is I love stories and I I want to make sure that stories get told because, you know, a lot of these guys are local legends. You look at like Pete Bicknell, you know, I remember when I was in high school, I think, or maybe it was like first year of college or something. One of my friends ended up interning at, uh, at Bicknell Racing Products and he was telling me about the fact that you know, there's, there's this little shop in St. Catharines that has race parts that are getting shipped to Hendrick Motorsports. And that starts ringing bells for me because I'm more a NASCAR guy or at that point, I definitely was more uh, a NASCAR fan and more familiar with that world. And I'm like, wait, you're telling me like one of the best NASCAR teams is buying parts or buying something from, uh, you, you know, this little shop in St. Catharines and they go to the shop and you're like, oh, it's not such a little shop. Like, it's a big deal. Like Bicknell Racing Chassis are dominating the Northeast right now for modifieds uh you know uh knock wood we're trying to make sure we keep the uh unbeaten streak alive this year on the super dirt car series uh so you know now that i say that i'm probably announcer jinxing it so <laughs> i apologize we've, so we've talked about it enough on the show i don't think it's not it's my no. fault at this point if we uh if that streak ends but yeah like the we're really spoiled in southern ontario being race fans and i think the more fans that we can bring in and the more fans of other racing series that we can get out to the racetrack and kind of tell you like hey like this is a big deal like there there's some connections to the professional top ranks of motorsports you may not even realize are in your own backyard right so travis mentions you know earl ross the only canadian that's ever won a cup series race drove for his dad's team like that that that's a piece of history of racing history that you know travis gets to tell a story about to people and 
you know, if you are a lifelong NASCAR fan, but you've never been to your local dirt track or your local pavement short track, you might not be aware of that story. And then all of a sudden you realize how much closer to the story you actually can be by meeting people like Travis, by meeting uh, a Pete Picknell in the garage, by going and talking to a Matt Williamson, by going and talking to a Carlton. Like there's so many, there's the racing rich racing history is so rich in Southern Ontario. It's just, it's fun to be a part of and to make sure to keep telling those stories. Yep. I think we should jump into the fan question period. Oh boy. I don't know if you All have right. those. Did you send them to me, John? Yeah, or they're on they're on our note. Okay. Hold on, hold on. They have well, show well, notes and everything. No, uh, yeah. I was gonna say we have <laughs> we we have, we have a we have uh we have definitely uh a dedicated person on Instagram each week that doesn't matter who's our guest, he finds a question yeah. for us to ask during this. He is probably one of our biggest supporters of the fan question period. Um, but <laughs> Megan, he something. he's huh? the Steve Zels- Zelznick, eh? Uh, yeah, Travis? yeah, he's tied off on ours though, a little bit. He's my best friend's dad. He's <laughs> our main guy on social media. Always. Yeah, he was commenting <laughs> on everything for a while there for Facebook. Yeah, and we appreciate it, by the way. Yes. Okay. So it's William underscore Trillium said, what is both of your favorite dirt tracks and why? Well, Travis, Uh, you've been to more, so you should, you should pick. (laughs) Favorite dirt track. I'm biased and I have two. It's Merrittville and Osh Weekend. Just because Merrittville, it's because when I was a kid, all I ever wanted to do was be a stock car driver. Didn't want to do anything else. That's all I ever wanted to do. And Maryville Speedway is where that came true. I always thought it would come true at maybe Flamborough or Mossport or Quartha or something on pavement, but it didn't go that way. And Maryville Speedway was why. And then Ashwikan Speedway is just because it's just so fast. It was like the first like the first time I went there, I took my 358 modified there one time just for some hot laps because we had a race coming up there and the track was heavy and stuff like that. And I remember on the way there, my dad was like, uh, you know, just take it easy the first few laps and feel it out and stuff like that. And first corner i was wide open and didn't lift the whole time and it was just the first wide open dirt track i got to race at so that was it and like i remember the first time my dad saw it we were doing uh, we were going to do mikey kretschka's sportsman motor and uh he was keep he was working for glenn at the time and he kept it up at the track and he just went up there and looked at it at the speedway and he was like man oh it's like dirt course like it is i don't know what to tell you about it it's so awesome just because my and my dad always loved the bigger tracks like his car when he raced with Earl and Tom Walters back in the day, raced at Delaware because it was a bigger track and like all his engines. A lot of the time, I always say like we never went to Cayuga to see our my dad's engines lose very often, and he was good at Mossport and Quartz and all those bigger tracks where his stuff really shined. And uh, so that's why I love Ashwikin as well. And uh, those are the two tracks I've had the most laps at. So yeah, Merrittville and Ashwikin. I mean, for me, it's pretty easy. I I, I kind of have to pick. Merrittville I mean like that is that's home uh in so many ways and it's the place that I got my start no matter what level of broadcasting I get to or don't get to I I know that I wouldn't be at this point in my career if I hadn't had the start that I had at Merrittville but beyond that it's it's Canada's oldest dirt track and the other thing is that it's it's kind of known throughout the northeast it's one of those places if you can win at Merrittville you can go and win anywhere it's known for being a tricky racetrack and a, a great proving ground for 
modified drivers and drivers of all classes, really. So I kind of like that I get to hang my hat that I work at that kind of racetrack and that uh, a, a racetrack like that has the, um, you know, has the the fanfare and the the history to it. So uh, my pick is Maryville, but I'm, I'm, I could be swayed. We'll see. Okay. You never know. It, my best track I've been to, like, it's not the best track racing wise, <laughs> but my favorite track I've ever been to to watch was Williams Grove just for the, because when every time I've been there, it's been us. PA Posse versus Outlaws. It's always been an Outlaw race when I was there. And just the atmosphere in that place is next level crazy when it's like that up on Beer Hill and stuff like that. So for that, it's a Williams Grove. It's the best track I've been to to travel at, just to watch. But I've never been to Eldora or Knoxville yet. So that could change by that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Knoxville uh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, guys, that's going to wrap up our fan question period. Of course, we want to thank William for uh, submitting that question as he does it. Uh, and- man william thank you so much for you're you're always a he's he's our hero each week even if we get one question guaranteed it's from him and so we thank you for that and of course we got to thank taylor to you media and designs for uh sponsoring that segment of the show each and every week so if you guys are looking for one of your joe media tumblers make sure you hit her up uh this week she was actually at sunset speedway which is awesome she was uh and uh the announcer at uh brandon doherty who announces that sunset speedway picked up a dan price tumbler so nice that's awesome Cowboy. oh yeah uh she carries on uh, she carries uh tumblers for dan price myself and uh for brandon feeney as well so if you guys are ever in the area find her on social media and uh yeah uh make sure so yeah um well guys it's been it's been a lot of fun we've had a lot of fun with you guys over the past hour chatting with you guys we definitely i want to do this again Cause these are always so much fun when we get to talk to other guys who talk about racing, who have a passion for racing. So as, as always, we always do have an open door policy that if you guys would ever like to come back on, you, you guys already have an invitation. So, um, but we're going to, we're going to let you guys get going here in just a couple of minutes. But before we do, you, we have, uh, you guys are allowed to thank everyone and anyone who's helped you in your entire racing career from a, pet you've had when you were a newborn that you didn't know about all the way up to uh your great great grandma who you never got a chance to meet so ooh that's okay i'll go first on that one <laughs> yeah you go first you go first i got to think of some names here so number 1 it's my mom and dad gary cunningham and rose cunningham if it wasn't for them i wouldn't have a racing career they bought me my first go kart my dad taught me everything there is about racing and uh, yeah, just being Gary Cunningham's son was so cool growing up. And uh, I just love living on the Canadian racing name. And then after that, it's Billy Evans. He's my dad's best friend, uh, right-hand man. Uh, and his son, Pee Wee Evans, had a real good racing career as well. But like one year in two, uh, 1999, Pee Wee had a real good year in his late model. Like he uh, finished second a bunch of times. He didn't win any of the super late model races, but he finished second a bunch. And that was a really good paying uh, series they ended up getting like three thousand dollars just for finishing second in it I forget what it was called like the mvp super late model series but back then he did it just with like his late model he would put a super late model engine in it so he would race like a template bodied late model with stock or like one piston calipers against a super late model so that was pretty cool and uh so yeah billy evans is number one they bought me a go-kart like i say when they had that really good year and uh, he helps me out now on the sprint car and just traveling around with them in my childhood working on their cars is what basically molded me as a racer 
And uh, my go-karts always looked like the number 90, just like his uh, race car, his late model and stuff, red number 90. And then after that, after the Edmonds family, uh, they also helped buy my first dirt modified and me and Pee Wee split it for the first season. So if it wasn't for that, like my stock car career wouldn't happen. So Evans family, definitely the goat on Cunningham racing engines or Cunningham family in racing. But after that, like Eric McNeven, I got to give him a shout out because that was my first ride ever in a sprint car when I drove the number 71. And uh, yeah, my three, only three wins in a stock car or a big car or running with Eric at Ashwick and Speedway. And they all came in the same month. Talk about getting hot. But uh, yeah, I got to get hot like that again soon. But yeah, Eric McNeven, that was a big one, picking up that ride and being able to start my sprint car career, which has led to where we're at today. And uh, Bicknell Racing Products has always been there in my career. Uh, right now I've got, oh, John Brush, Tammy 10 Media. He's also Corpac Merchandising. He's been a big help out when I've gotten my own car these last few years. So I got to thank John big time. And uh, I'll be seeing him coming up here at the big races at us weekend. He's always there walking around. He's just such a big deal in racing. Like he sponsors so much stuff. He sponsors the Merrittville 358 class with core pack. He sponsors super modified. He sponsors us. We go. He sponsors dirt flat track bike people. So many people. So if it wasn't for John, uh, definitely wouldn't be as far in my racing career as it is either. And then to this year, I've got performance auto on my car and uh, Petruzzi auto and industrial equipment. Who else? We're running out. Got picked now. Yeah. Those are the main ones for me. Yeah, I think um, I got to start with uh, obviously my mom and dad for uh, my dad for sitting me down in front of a TV and not changing the channel away from NASCAR long enough for me to get into it. Um, that's really where it all started. Um, my parents were getting me into go-karting for taking me to NASCAR races to really like fuel the passion for it. Um, I need to thank my, uh, amazing fiance, Kyra. She is the constant supporter. And every time I come to her with a crazy dream about starting a podcast or working at a racetrack or whatever else, she's the first person to support me. So I appreciate her for doing that. Uh, we're going to get a little name droppy here. So pardon this, but, uh, I got to thank uh, Mike Neighbors who brought me into TSN uh, 1150, Jim Taddy for being so awesome and allowing me to work on his radio show, which is where I met Perry Lefko. Perry introduces me to Ron Fellows, uh, and then Ron Fellows pushes me to go to my local third track. So thank you to all of them. Uh, thanks to Tom Beals and uh, Don and Lorraine Spees for bringing me on board. Thank you to Stephen Petty for bringing me along as an announcer. I definitely don't know where I'd be without working alongside Steve for that first year and kind of getting the ropes shown to me that way. Um, thank you to Eric Thomas for all his support and advice. I mean, the guy's an absolute living legend and uh, uh, somebody that I, I very much have a lot of respect and time for. Thanks to Travis for doing this show with me and keeping me involved and the amount of stuff that I get to learn from having him uh, you know, uh, along for the journey and along for the ride in my, my own career has been, uh, I, I can't even count the amount of stuff that I've learned from, you know, talking to Travis and learning about stuff. Um, thanks to all the drivers at Maryville, everybody who's been on the Southern Ontario Dirt Show podcast for being so cool and uh, so understanding and helping me learn because I think that was the most, that was the hardest part of starting this deal is that I didn't come into this with all this knowledge and history of the racetrack. You know, I knew a couple of the big names. I knew some of the drivers but i was really really green to the sport of dirt racing especially in southern ontario and uh, everybody has been so so cool to me 
And uh, it's definitely allowed me to get over my imposter syndrome and feel like I actually uh, belong in the dirt world and I'm a part of the family. And uh, I just appreciate the opportunity to tell the stories. Thanks to Jeff and Rhonda Riley from Pet Value. They're big supporters across a lot of things that I do. Uh, shout out to Oshweden Speedway for sponsoring the show and Big Mel Racing Products. I think that's everybody I should yeah. cover. And my, and my dog Finnegan, because he's the best. And my cats, <laughs> Bowie, Rosie, and Tiki. Yeah, that was great. I also want to say uh, it's an honor to follow Jeremy Barton as a guest on the show. Just because <laughs> I always like busting on him and uh, my our family and his family. And it goes going back because like we out like anytime the Barton Motorsports uh, tour mod was on the track at Lancaster on the ROC tour, it was with a Cunningham racing engine. So super cool to follow Jeremy. Uh, so before you guys go, of course, we I know when the show drops and, and when it airs for anyone who's listening to this show who may not know about your show, where can they find the Southern Ontario Dirt show and where can they find you on social media? Uh, so they can find the show at SODS underscore pod at underscore sods pod uh, or sods underscore pod, I should say. Um, you can find that on TikTok. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, the podcast drops usually on Fridays around noon, as long as I'm not celebrating my birthday like this week and uh, <laughs> out golfing. So I kind of had to be a little bit late with this week's show. But uh, yeah, and uh, coming soon to YouTube. I don't think we're going to do full video podcast. I think it's going to be mostly just you know, probably some images, some still frames set to the audio uh, for now. But uh, I know that it's a really accessible uh, place to put a podcast. So it will at some point get to YouTube whenever I get a chance to sit and backlog stuff. That's probably going to be this. At this point, it almost feels like it's an off-season project. It's always <laughs> so crazy. Yeah, we've been talking about that for a while. It, yeah, is the, gonna... Is there really an off-season, though? No, not anymore. Not <laughs> even close. Especially when you own a race car and build your own engines, because it's almost more work in the off season. And both of us are working. At, and both of us are working at Bicknell Racing Products, which a minute the racing yeah. season's done. At least I it, haven't experienced this yet. But everybody tells oh, me you the will. minute <laughs> the minute it's uh, the racing season ends is when things get busy in the shop. So I'm sure I'm gonna uh, yeah feel it firsthand here what, that there's no such thing as an off season, but. Either way, we'll uh, we'll see what comes down the line for the show, but we're just gonna keep rolling out and make sure they get out every week. That, yep. That's what I've no said. Problem. The that's why I said the past year, couple years here is my fiance hasn't really understood exactly what everything I do. So as soon as the racing racing season is done, I'm already starting to work on the next season. And she goes, "Why do you have to do that for?" I'm like, "Because if I'm not prepared before that for, before uh, Motorama, everything I've done in the off season doesn't mean anything." Because I have, yeah. I have my we're already timeline. Getting our... Go ahead. I was gonna say we're already getting our 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 uh, BRP uh, I Racing League, the the esports league that I had the chance to call last year. That's already getting planned out. So I mean, I've got uh, involvement in that production company and putting on those I races. So uh, it's gonna be a busy off season that doesn't really feel like an off season. But either way, I'm I'm looking forward to just getting back to a racetrack whenever I can. We should work with Jomo and put on a high racing daytona 500 and then maybe you'll get your to live out your dream call a daytona 500 now you're talking i like this now we, do, we got to do like classic cars though right we're not doing like the current cup no 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 no. you gotta do old like cars a, no yeah we like, we can do the 87s yeah the 87s there you for go. Sure. those those things are awesome yeah deal there you go well, right, well let's stay in touch and let's figure out how we can make this dream a reality yeah, because yeah, yeah. I'm in. Whenever you want to talk. 
Well, Whenever I think you want to talk. I decided you're a friend today talking. on Facebook, so we'll uh, we'll connect and we'll we'll figure this out. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. Looking forward to it. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the True North Racing Podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you guys, and I hope to see you guys soon at a racetrack because I will be coming down to Merrittville because I was supposed to go last night, but uh, changes cha- uh, plans change. And of course, I got to get over to the pit side. So Travis, whenever you're there, I'll definitely come stop by and uh, say hi to you guys. And you guys have stickers, correct? Mm-hmm. We actually, well, Travis, I think, still has There's a supply. couple I'm left. Yeah. If I'm, I'm there and you so have I some, have to... yeah. Are you coming to the Pinty Show at Ashwika? I'm no? coming to the Pinty Show, but I'm not going pit come side. See... Oh, okay. Well, I'll just just text <laughs> me that day. Message me on Facebook, and I'll wheel over to the grandstand side for you. All right, sounds good. Yeah, make it happen. We'll hook you guys up. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us this week and uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your night and we'll talk to you guys later. Cheers. Thanks, John. Thanks, Megan. Yes. And we're back from our fun conversation with uh, Travis Cunningham and Jonathan Howe of uh, the Southern Ontario Dirt Show. It's kind of fun. We didn't get a touch base on a lot of things because the conversations Mm -hmm. just rolled really well. It did. And of course, we were just we were just talking off uh uh just at, just before we let them go uh out of out of the zoom call here we were having this conversation and the drivers were on one half of my screen not talking and then me and jonathan <laughs> howe i guess who were both the uh, producers of our shows were on one side trying to talk about different things the driver just okay <laughs> i just want to turn left and go fast <laughs> literally it's funny uh, how there's like similar to us that way I was thinking the same thing. It was kind of funny. Like I noticed that approach with them was that they reminded me of a lot of us. Yeah. Because well, one, his name's Jonathan. Yeah. And he's kind of living out my dream by doing Merrittville. Yeah. But would they also have a driver to give that background information to, to get us to learn. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's the same thing on our side is that I'm, I'm the guy over here who's never been behind the wheel of a stock car besides for freaking, you know, for uh, um, meet the driver's night. And you're over here is like, I want a feature. <laughs> you see this? <laughs> <laughs> you see that? That's my trophy. <laughs> I'm number one. <laughs> one time. <laughs> but still, you're able to, when you're out there week after week. Yeah. You're able to you know, you're able to explain this stuff. It's it's not, I don't always have like the best explanations. I can't say that like my thoughts are like the word of God. Cause like, like I'm still learning. Yep. Like it's, it's, I guess just my opinion as like a rookie driver, I'd still consider myself a rookie. I mean, you've only had four starts. So, I mean, you, you would be considered a rookie still like it's, there wasn't mm-hmm. enough races for yourself to really be out there to to compete. But I think even still is that because of how the 2021 season played out, because your card number did run each week, you're not, unfortunately not available to run for rookie yeah. of the year anymore, but you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but we, it is, it, it was really, it, it's so cool how similar, similar their shows are, but have, have you, have you listened, had a chance to listen to their show yet? Not a lot, to be honest. So I I'm was definitely gonna listen to it more now. 
I was gonna say because it when you when you listen to it, the intro right off the hop gets me hooked onto the show. Mm-hmm. The fact you know when they announce like oh it's episode like sixty one or whatever it is that week, it's so cool how I really do enjoy that whole number thing they do, where they figure out who's who's driven that number and they talk about it a little bit, which is it 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 brings me in to want to watch it. It does. And it also kind of gives shout-outs for who might not get that opportunity. Like, they might be somebody that doesn't run up front all the time. They don't get that media coverage. So it's just that little extra. Like, I don't mean personally, if I were to hear that and someone was like, oh, 73, that's Megan Mitchell. I'd be like, oh, wow. <laughs> they know you're me. Proud of, they know me. That's are proud of me. Like, it'd be, it's cool. It's a really cool idea. And I like it. I, I I'm not saying we're ever gonna bring that to our show. Yeah, because we would just forget it half the time. And of course, we're re- we're in the triple digits. Yeah. So like, are we gonna regurgitate the stuff every hundred episodes? Yeah. Um. But no, it was it's it was great having them on. It's gonna be a lot of fun to see what comes of. Uh, you know, I'm really hoping to get a Southern Ontario Dirt Show uh, sticker here, because mm-hmm. I do want to I I want to show that like. The first of all, I love the design of their stickers. It looks amazing, but I love the fact that they're they were like I said, they remind me a lot of us. Yeah. At the same time, and and you know they they put on a great show. They put on a great product, and I really enjoy, I really enjoy watching them and and racing, especially with Travis racing. Um, mm-hmm. but it was so crazy how this past week alone, Jonathan has been popping up on my Facebook or on TikTok a lot more. I was like, oh yeah, like TikTok doesn't know me. (laughs) Right. But they they know your schedule. They know what's going on. Apparently, they know they know (laughs) my schedule better than I do because I forgot that they were coming on at one point this week. That's but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. But uh we're gonna wrap up the show here. But before we do, we do have to give a big nod out to your sister, Rachel Mitchell, because I'm wearing our newly designed Joe Media t-shirts. I have yours. Yours is in a bag over here. And it's mm-hmm. I'm currently wearing the driver's one. And I that's the one I currently have for you. Your TNRP one is coming in. Do not worry. Okay. Um <laughs> and we I got a couple more goodies coming for you though too. So I gotta talk to a couple people to to get those goodies in here. But um we got a couple more things coming. Uh yeah your shirt's just sitting up over here. I really right. hope I got the right size. I'm not going to lie. Because <laughs> I think I went back through our messages back when you won the first Joe Media t-shirt. And I'm like, I nothing's think that's changed. it. That, yeah, nothing's changed. It probably um, could, but I don't. <laughs> uh, But yeah, so I got your driver's t-shirt. So that way you can, you can wrap it whenever you want. I just need to remember to bring it next time <laughs> I see you. Because you would have had it last week. <laughs> If I remember to bring it, it's okay. Uh, no, we got we got a nice. I don't know when they're coming yet. I'm hoping soon. Hoping soon, because I would like I would like I would like the other shirts to get out to the public as well. But if you guys are looking for your own Joe Media T-shirt, you guys can DM us. We are gonna put in another order whenever we get enough. You know, whenever people, if you want to order a T-shirt, let me know. We got the Joe Media Driver T-shirt, is the one I'm currently wearing. It has this awesome, I can't even really 
It's got a it's got our logo nice and big on the front, which I love. And then on the back side, it has all the names of the 22 drivers we are currently working with this year. Now, of course, there's a couple names missed out because they were been added after the fact. So that is also why you guys get onto Joe Media and Promotions team early, because then you guys can get onto the T-shirt earlier. See? Hmm. Um, but no, it's uh, so we got a supporters T-shirt which has all the supporters that uh, Joe Media and Promotions works with. So we got graphic designs. We got, um, oh boy, <laughs> you can tell I don't do this very often. Was it like Vision 20 Studios? Vision, we got Vision 20 Studios who presents the podcast. We got Taylor to you, Media and Designs, who brings to you our fan question period each week. We also have Wilds Printing, who does our who is the sponsor for our weekly driver lineup. We got Georgetown Printing, who does our weekly breakdown. We have uh Graphic Design, who does a lot of our design work. I I I'm th- so thankful for her because I know I couldn't be able to do it. Um <laughs> Damn it, now I'm going to bring up joinmedia.ca. <laughs> See, look at that, guys. I even plugged the website for y'all. Forgetting Jacqueline's mom. Jacqueline's mom Andrea. There. Isn't Lift the Visor on there? Lift the Visor. You're looking at it, aren't you, you cheater? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I just remember seeing the shirt. We, and like, we got Claude like Haggerty, the sponsor man, on here. Uh, Yeah, we got a lot of great people here. Graphing Designs, Driver Cal, Lift the Visor, Vision 20 Studios, tailored to you. Claude Haggerty, Sponsor Superman. Uh, we also did work with the Ignite Racing League uh, and Georgetown Printing, but I got to give them one more plug because they were they agreed to work where they ran our iRacing series over the offseason. We did the media for it, but they held the races for us. Um, and then, of course, we got our True North Racing podcast stickers. Uh, true, no. True North Racing podcast T-shirts. Which I think are the probably the coolest shirt we have now, because it's got the True North Racing podcast ones. Oh yeah, because I got that gray like chess logo, and then on the back it makes it look like you're listening to it on Spotify. Yeah, I love it cool. each and every week. It is it is awesome. Uh, so yeah, if you guys would like a T-shirt, please message me and we will get one ordered in for you. And then that way, next time we see you guys at a racetrack, we will have them for you. Um, I feel like there's something else I was going to talk about briefly before we before we uh, ended the show, but now I'm blanking on it. I don't know. If it comes back to me, maybe we'll, maybe we'll see it next week on the show. I don't know. Actually, next week, we're taking okay. the week off. We are taking the week off, but let's find out why. Megan, where will you be next week? Next week. I should be racing next week. Fingers crossed. If not, I will be at Flamborough either way, crewing for my brother and sister. And this week, I will be heading up to Sawell Speedway for their Dash for Cash race on Wednesday. Uh, Jacqueline and I are heading up Tuesday night, which by the time you guys listen to this podcast, we'll probably already be up there. So actually, maybe not. Because she has an appointment at noon. So if you guys listen to maybe after 5 o'clock that night, that'd be great. Uh, <laughs> but if you guys are listening after 5 o'clock at night now, that's just... Yeah, let's not get into that because I'm going to go down a rabbit hole I don't want to go down. Um, <laughs> but no, like it's... uh, Yeah, we got a... We're going to go up for Sobble's uh, Dash for Cash Friday night. 
I'm excited for that one. We get to go see the comedian Matt Rife down oh, at yeah. uh Huh? His videos have been popping up on my for you page on TikTok so much lately. He's yeah. he's hysterical. Yes. I've I've watched like all three of his specials numerous times on uh uh on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Cuz he has three specials and I and he also did um it's called the Overnight Channel which was actually investigating like paranormal activity houses. Oh yeah, oh no no, you need to ch- I'm going to find a couple good ones. I'm going to send them to you. I need to see that. How he reacts in these places? <laughs> like he he's a great comedian. But when he's on these things, he is the scaredest one. <laughs> he is, oh my god if you like i'll find a good couple ones i'm gonna get i'll tell i'll tell jacqueline to s- tell me a couple good ones for to send to you but they're okay. all on youtube give them a watch um yeah they're they're absolutely i love it because one day she was watching and i just looked over and like is that matt rife hmm? and she goes who i'm like that white boy right there the pretty one i'm like <laughs> That's my wife. She goes, how do you know him? I was like, he was on Wild and Out at one point, And, you know, I thought he's a funny dude and didn't think anything of him. At like, I thought he would have been just like a Wild and Out kind of guy. I didn't know he was a stand-up comedian. I didn't know nothing like that until yeah. I was, until, you know, I saw an overnight came out. And I see him coming up on TikTok and I was a stand-up comedian because I was like, oh, he got kicked off of Wild and Out. I guess he's trying to stand up stand-up comedy. And just, I didn't realize how long he's actually been doing it for. Yeah. Um. And then yeah, so we're gonna see that on Friday night. And then I don't think we're gonna hit up any more racetracks next weekend because we're hope I'm hoping to have the boys next weekend. Mav came down with strep throat last week, so we didn't take him this weekend. Oh, yeah. Which is why we asked if you guys wanted to go. I know it was last minute to go on I a ghost walk. Oh, we like I told you earlier, we didn't even get a chance. We didn't even make it in time. Like we would have made it in time, <laughs> but we would not have got to watch the sunset. So yeah, and I mean I got a beauty of a panorama shot hmm. of uh it's like let me see here yeah there it is oh that is nice there it is I like that. I like right that. And of course brandon feeney sends me an attachment as we're on the show <laughs> As if he doesn't think we're it. recording. Way to ruin it, buddy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't think we're going to hit up any racetracks next weekend. Uh, then the following weekend, I don't think I will either. Jacqueline is running a 5K that weekend. So I think the next oh, yeah. time, I'm, I think the next weekend I'm out at a racetrack will be the NASCAR Pinties race on August hmm. 13, 15th. Right. Which someone didn't message me about who was coming. I forgot. And then Cody said something <laughs> about it. And I'm like, oh my God, John asked me that like two or three yeah. weeks ago. Shoot. <laughs> I you don't know, know if I'll be able to go. Okay? Oh. But you know what's right? funny? Is my that whole interaction I had with Cody about it. Because mm-hmm. I shot him a message. It was like, hey. Do you want to go to the, uh, where is it here? I know it's not too, too far back. 
goes, uh, I'm like, hey, you going to the NASCAR dirt race? He goes, where in the States? I wish. I'm like, dude, it's Oshwegan. <laughs> he goes, I'm like, I thought we were going to go to the Monday night. And I'm, he goes, what? I'm like, don't tell me you didn't know. And he, yeah, I didn't say <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, it's I'm 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 excited for that. We'll see how uh I know we're gonna go, we're gonna take uh Amy with us. So if anyone catches me in the grandstands, please act like you don't know me. I'm just kidding. Feel <laughs> if you guys see me at uh at Austrian Speedway, please feel free to come up and say hi. Um it I still say those it's weird when that when that happens. Yeah. When we get people walking up and go, "Hey, I listen to your podcast, man. It's so good." I'm like, "I don't know how to. Re- I don't know how to react." Right? Like, how do you react? Like, how, like, wh- like wh- when someone says, "I listen to the podcast. I love it." What, what, what have they said to you? They've never said anything to me about the podcast, but I've had people recognize me through Lift the Visor, and then like after my feature win, people would be like, "Oh, hey, great job this or last weekend or whatever weekend, like." good luck this weekend they're calling by me by name and everything and i'm like thanks i have no idea who you are right now and like it just it freaks me out but i mean that's coming from the same person who worked at the lcbo had a literal name tag on and people call me by name and i'm like how do you know my name (laughs) right i'm in a you know it's obvious (laughs) it's right there no, I, I it it is a cool feeling, but I never know how to react to when someone says, "I love, no. I love the show." It's like my 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 question is, "How do you know about the show?" Right. <laughs> then I'm like, "Oh, right." So yeah, the next time I'll be at the racetrack will be besides Wednesday, will be Oshwegan. Um, mm-hmm. so you guys will will have will have a show before then. No, we won't. Will we? Yes, we will. When is it? Oshwegan uh, is the 14th and 15th. So, yes, we do, because we, we will recruit? have Kyle yeah. Lucas. Lucas. So, actually, I'm going to do a little bit of breaking news because it's going to be announced to, on Monday morning. So, this is Tuesday when it drops. Uh, Kyle Lucas is doing a raffle on his uh, pure stock. It'll be $50 a spot at $100. Sorry. $50 a spot for 100 spots. Yeah. So, when you guys listen to this, head on over to my over to uh, my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page, if you guys find it, and you guys can put your name in for the draw. Uh, we are going to have all the spots spoken for before we start collecting money. So, then that way, there's no issues if it doesn't sell within the first uh, week or two. So... If you guys want a, a a highly contested front running pier stock, here's your opportunity. It's fifty dollars a spot. We have a hundred spots. You have a one in a hundred chance to win. Not a bad odd. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's, it's terrible odd, but it's still a long shot. But <laughs> still a long shot, regardless. But you never know who's going to like, happen. Yeah, and it's a chance. Like I, I mean, look at Scott Tinelli with his CVM. He literally bought a single ticket and the guy races CVMs full time now because he won it. Like that could be your entryway into a pure stock. Exactly. Just 50 bucks. Exactly. So 
make sure you guys uh find me on social media if you guys are looking for a, a highly contested pure stock at Flamborough Speedway. And uh let's get you behind the wheel of a brand new or a race winning race car. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't think there's too much else we needed to talk about tonight. If not, we can always wait uh until the next show. And again, if it's more for us, then we can talk later. So Yeah. Uh as always, guys, thank you so much for listening to True North Racing Podcast brought to you by Vision 20 Studios. Make sure you guys follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, as well as find everything going on at joemedia.ca. You guys can also find my rate my schedule on my race schedule, not yet, but you guys can find mm-hmm. my schedule um of what track I'll be at when I gotta update that. Actually, I just realized I'm probably a little bit I'm not too far behind, but a little bit behind. Um I like me like putting out a schedule so that people know where I'm gonna be. So if they want to see me, they they know oh I'm um <laughs> Yeah, make sure you guys check out all the drivers' information there. You guys can uh, catch profiles from all 22 drivers that we have over there on the website. Uh, you guys can also catch the True North Racing podcast. Uh, we're gonna add a new segment actually to the to the website. I gotta talk with uh, one of our good friends, Mister Brandon Feeney, about it. But I think we're gonna add the Feeney call to its own tab. Um. Either that or what I'm going to do is I'm going to change uh, the True North Racing Podcast tab to the podcast. And what we'll do is we'll have the True North Racing Podcast and the Feeny Call both available right there on uh, two segments of the page. Because I, I want to see Feeny grow his podcast, so I'm, I'm thinking that might be a good idea. Mm-hmm. So... I'm going to reach out to Feeney after this so he can't say anything when he listens to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening this week. We hope you guys enjoy the next week off away from us because it is a long weekend. So we usually don't like doing off. It's personal preference for me not doing shows on, on long weekends because usually I have my boys for, and this is their room that I record in. So I don't really, yeah. it's 10, 14 PM. I don't think they want me in here with all the lights on and, <laughs> talking for two hours sorry i said you guys can't go to sleep yet yeah you guys can't go to sleep yet but (laughs) but yeah thank you guys so much for listening for megan mitchell i'm john morrison and we'll see you guys in two weeks bye now yes true north racing let's go